This is Church Alive's teaching of the week. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Hey, last week, how many of y'all enjoyed Regina as she kicked off our Christmas series? Anybody? Well, that sounds like an encore, Regina. Why don't we do part two? Y'all give Regina a hand as she comes up and she teaches again. Amen. I really think the pastor was looking at my notes because he already went where I was going. But that's okay. Because, you know, we're all, we're all hearing from the voice of the Lord, and that's what really matters, right? You know, I feel like after that worship that the sermon has already been preached. <laughs> oh, man, so good, so good. But that last song, you know, talked about the holiness of God. And if you just sit and you, and you reflect on His holiness and His goodness, worship, and in the magnificent awe, of who he is and what he's done for us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, last week we spent some time beginning this Christmas series called The Christmas Gift. And Jesus, looking at the three gifts that the Magi, the wise men, brought to Jesus. But in essence, really, Jesus was the gift to us. And that is what we want to get out of this whole series. So last week, if you recall, we were examining the scripture, Matthew 2, 10 and 11, where it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold frankincense, and myrrh. Now, last week, we took a deeper dive into looking at the meaning behind frankincense. We briefly discussed how, you know, within God's word, as we study God's word, it is important for us to always realize there's a deeper meaning. There's a significance behind every little detail in God's word. Those names, those numbers, those places, those are all of significance. And so we talked about how frankincense, we discussed before we got into it, we discussed how there was this expectancy. There was this anticipation for the arrival of the promised Messiah. And we discussed how frankincense was used and burned in the tabernacle. And because that gift was something that was used by the high priest, it is believed that the significance behind the gift of frankincense is Jesus as our high priest. And so we talked about the need that we had for a high priest because, as you know, we had a sin problem. I say had because it's been taken care of. And that sin problem separated us from God. You know, he is holy, but we are sinful. And Jesus closed the gap for us. He provided a remedy for our sin problem. He's our faithful high priest who is full of compassion. And he definitely can empathize with our weaknesses. And so that's just a little summary of what we discussed last week. If you did not get to hear that, I encourage you to go back to the podcast and listen to it in full. But as we um, finish up 
just a quick review from last week. I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, because I think it's a good summary of what we discussed last week. For this reason, he had to be made like them, like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And so we're going to, we, I know we discussed atonement last week, but we're going to get a little bit deeper into that. Um, so this week, let's look at the gift of myrrh. Myrrh. That would be a good spelling bee word, you know. Cash was just in a spelling bee, and so I'm, I'm, as I'm encountering words now, I'm thinking that would be a good spelling bee word. This would be great. So let's look at myrrh. In Exodus 30, 23, myrrh is used, it's mentioned as the main ingredient in anointing oil. And myrrh is also used in the embalming process of preparing the dead. You know, I got to thinking about this. The wise men brought myrrh, which would be similar to a baby shower gift. Imagine if somebody brought embalming, something for embalming to a baby shower. You know, that's, that's a little odd, don't you think? I, I thought it was a little weird. Um, we also read of myrrh in the Bible when Jesus was offered wine mixed with myrrh. In some translation, it says gall. Uh, during the crucifixion, and we know that he refused that. He did not take it, and if you've ever wondered, well, why didn't he take it? Well, because myrrh has anesthetic properties, which would have dulled his senses and made it so that he would not have felt the full pain of the crucifixion, so that's why he refused it. He was going to take it all for you and for me. Myrrh represents Jesus as the Lamb of God who was born to die for our sins. So Jesus is the Lamb of God. Last week we discussed he is our high priest. This week let's talk about how he is the Lamb of God. Last week we also talked about atonement. You know, I said that's a real churchy word. Oftentimes we use these words and they sound good, and maybe we kind of sort of know what they mean, but let's really understand it fully. Atonement means to make amends for a wrong. You and I, we've done wrong. We've sinned. You know, it says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have a sin problem. And it says in Hebrews 9.22 that blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. You know, we, we looked at briefly how it started in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they sinned. Then they were provided with skins of animals, which meant an animal had to die, right? That was the first animal sacrifice, then we went on and we skipped ahead from Genesis and we looked into Exodus, how God put into place with Aaron that Levitical priesthood and how there had to be sacrifices made again and again and again. And we talked about how 
these things were good, but something better was coming. And something better did come. Jesus, the Lamb of God. So all these things, they were just a foreshadowing of what was to come. And if you look in Hebrews chapter 10, there's a block of scripture there I'd really like us to, to hone in on today because I think it, it really encapsulates what we've been discussing. It says the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. You know, if you're reading the Old Testament, you'll see the shadow of what was to come. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices, speaking of the ones that we discussed last week in the Old Testament, are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So there was a system that was put into place back in Exodus. And they were doing this over and over again. I mean, let's just take a moment and reflect on that. Think about how every, every year, those sacrifices, that day of atonement, all those details had to be done. Think about how those things, the, just the weight, imagine the weight that were on the people, the weight that they carried, that that had to be done. And, and guys, it still wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. How they must have longed for the end of the endless sacrifices that had to be made. Because those sacrifices really just served as a reminder, an annual reminder of their sins. And it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to completely do away with their sins. Because we know along with sin comes guilt and comes shame. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't taking care of those things, those aspects. So a better sacrifice, a once and for all sacrifice was coming. That would be the end of the need for sacrifices over and over and over again. Y'all, this is why they were so expectant. This is why they had that sense of anticipation. This is what they'd been waiting for. The promised Messiah that was discussed in Isaiah 9 that we read last week. This would be the once and for all sacrifice. The Lamb of God. And we see John the Baptist, in John um, chapter 1, verse 29, you know, Jesus is approaching, and he sees Jesus, and what does he say? He says in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He 
made that recognition right then, right there, that Jesus would be the sacrificial lamb of God, who would be the once and for all sacrifice. He would take care of it all. He did take care of it all. You know, we were in a mess. We were in a mess. What do I mean by that? We were held captive. We were trapped in a mess of a cycle of sin, of guilt, of shame. That we had nothing that we could do to fix it. There's nothing we could do to fix it. So, you know, Jesus was born to show us the way out. The way out of that mess and that cycle that seemed endless. He was born to show us the way out of that mess. Our sacrifices were not sufficient. So Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. The Lamb of God. It says that in John chapter 1 verse 14, it kind of puts it this way. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became one of us. That's why he understands our weakness. He understands our pain. He understands what we walk through. Because he became one of us. He was literally, literally born to die. That was his mission. That's why he came. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit by the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life. We talked last week. It was not an easy life. It was not easy at all. You know, he was betrayed. There were so many things that he walked through. And maybe some of these things you've walked through. But he was innocent and he was holy. Not once did he sin. And that's why he was the perfect sacrifice. The once and for all sacrifice that could take all of our sin, our guilt, and our shame. So that we could be freed from our captivity. It puts it in Mark... Chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For you and for me. That's what he did. He came to serve. That was his mission. He came to serve. He came to give his life. He came to make atonement, to give his life as a ransom for us. And for that reason, Jesus is our suffering servant. He is our suffering servant. And you know, I can think of no better place to look at his role as a suffering servant And this is why I said, I think pastor was looking at my notes because I was going to Isaiah 53. That's where I was headed. So if you would turn in your Bible to Isaiah 53, the Old Testament gives this description of Jesus as the suffering servant. And starting in verse three of chapter 53 in Isaiah, and I can't can't read these scriptures 
quickly. Anytime I study these scriptures, I have to slow down because of the magnitude of the words that I'm reading. And not just the words, but what these words mean. What he actually did. They're not just words. He did this. It says he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. And we held him in low esteem. You know, it says in a few verses earlier in chapter 52, it says that his appearance was disfigured beyond that of any man. And his form was marred beyond likeness. Maybe you've seen pictures or movies that depict the crucifixion and the passion of Jesus Christ. And while those are as close as we can make it, y'all, I don't think it was even a fraction of what he truly endured for us. There was nothing desirable about his appearance. He was despised and rejected, so he understands our suffering. He understands when we have gone through rejection or betrayal, the pain that we have lived through. He was scourged. He was beaten, whipped, nailed to the cross, wore the crown of thorns. But what about the mental and emotional anguish that we can't see? That he had the weight of all the sin and shame and guilt of the world on him. And he did that for us. He is our suffering servant. He is the Lamb of God. Going on to verse 4 and 5, it says, Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. You know, there were those that thought they didn't understand what he was doing. So they thought, well, you know, this is just his punishment. They didn't realize that he was the son of God, that he was innocent, and that he was taking that punishment for us. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. You see, in those verses, if you really just stop, read, and reflect, you'll see there's a great exchange happening in those verses. He takes our pain and bears our suffering. He is wounded so that we could be healed, so that we can be saved. Total salvation. He was pierced and crushed, not only as a payment, as a ransom for us, but also so that the head of the serpent would be crushed. You can look at that in Genesis 3.15. He did all of that for you and for me, but also, y'all, he was crushing the head of that serpent. 
Amen. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. You can have salvation, divine healing, everything that is a part of what Jesus provided for you because of the suffering that he took for you. It says, moving on to verse six, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He calls us sheep. I don't know if y'all realize this, but it's not a compliment. <laughs> it is not a compliment to be called a sheep. <laughs> Many would say sheep are pretty stupid. <laughs> they're cute. They're fluffy. But yeah, not a compliment. Sheep wander. Do we wander? We do. We wander. We don't know which way to go. We like to go our own way. We have gone our own way. We all have. We have left God's path to follow our own way. And Jesus came to show us the way. Praise God. He came to show us the way. You see, Jesus came to bring us hope, to bring us peace, to bring us restoration. Anything that sin has stolen from you, God provided restoration. There is not one more feeling of guilt, condemnation, shame, regret that you have to bear on your own because of what he did. He was the perfect sacrificial lamb. He was the guilt offering so that you would not have to bear the guilt. And what truly, whew, just the fact that he did it is, a, is more than enough. <laughs> but if you read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, if you read that and you ask yourself, why did he do it? Why did he do it? This answers it. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You were the joy. You were the joy. You were the joy. He wanted to restore you back to that close relationship that Adam and Eve enjoyed in the Garden of Eden. He wanted there to be no separation between you and him. You were the joy. And as our, our worship team makes their way back to the stage, you know, in thinking of that and thinking of everything that he did for you and for me. 
What could our response be? Could it be anything other than accepting this amazing gift? Because he doesn't want you to bear any of this anymore. He doesn't want you to have any regrets. He wants you to understand his perfect love. Because his blood covered everything. Everything. You don't have to struggle and cry and beat yourself up because he already paid the price and it was paid in full. And that's why, yes, thank you, Jesus. And that's why we don't have to continually give those sacrifices year after year after year. I know many in here probably know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and, and maybe they've accepted that gift of salvation. But I'm always going to make sure in case there's the one. Because, you know, Jesus came for the one. We were all the one. One time or another. So, I want to just extend this gift of salvation that Jesus provided for you. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. And I want to invite you to accept this gift today. Whether you're here or whether you're watching online... We want you to know that Jesus died for you as a sacrificial lamb. And so all you have to do in order to accept this gift of salvation is acknowledge that sin has separated you from God, that you have sinned, you fall short of his glory, and acknowledge that. You need to acknowledge that Jesus suffered and he died for you as a payment for your sin. And then he rose again. And he lives today. Recognize that he wants a relationship with you. Thank you again for listening to Church of Life's teaching of the week. We invite you to join us for the Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. Or learn more at churchalive.net.